1: If I say, surely the darkness shall, shall, shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not too dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I wake, and I am still with you. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord.
0: You may be seated.
1: Would
0: you pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, words of hope and comfort. We thank you that it has the power to change and to transform our lives. And so may the words of my mouth now and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy July 4th weekend to you all. Um, if I haven't met you, my name is John. I am the RUF campus minister at UC Berkeley. And we just finished our, my first year as the campus minister there, and it's been a pleasure. Um, enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> wow. We really are a clapping church. That, that has never happened at any other church where I've introduced myself like that. Um, but I just finished my first year as the campus minister at UC Berkeley and really enjoyed working with the college students. Um, and one thing I've really enjoyed uh, working with college students is they really love movies, right? Uh, particularly superhero movies, which I also enjoy. Um, and it's the summer now, summer blockbusters are hitting, and there's a lot of superhero movies that have come out. Uh, there's, so, there's so many of them, it's sometimes hard for me to keep track. I think last month, maybe, like the new Super, no, Spider Man, like that. Uh, animation movie came out. I think later this month, the new Captain Marvel movie is coming out. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's probably because it's hard to keep track of all these superhero movies. Um, But I love talking with my college students about this and friends and family. But every time I go and watch one of these movies or TV shows, I always end up having the same conversation with myself or with my friends. And it's maybe a question that you have asked yourself before when you see these movies. And the question is, if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? Right? I've had a lot of debates with friends and now college students about which would be the one that would be the best. And my answer always ends up being the same. The, my answer to the question, if I could have any superpower, what would it be? It would be the power of infinite knowledge. Um, I don't know what that tells you about myself. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Um, but given all that we've experienced the first half of this year or the last couple of years, I think that power would come in pretty handy, wouldn't it? Which I can't believe it's already been... The 2023 is already halfway through. You know, realize we're in July. Already, but if you think back to like the beginning of this year, if you were traveling around the Christmas holidays, maybe some of you were affected by all the travel disruptions. Um, I know I remember it. I think Marquita remembers it really well. She was dealing with that. Um, And if you're traveling now, right, I've read the news, there's also a lot of flight cancellations and a lot of issues with with traveling. And it would be really nice to know about those things, right, ahead of time, especially. And in between the beginning of the year and now we've dealt with a lot of other things that have been nice to know about, whether it's um, continued nationwide inflation, whether it is if you're in the tech industry, continued layoffs, um, we've, we've witnessed school shootings. There's been a lot of difficult things that have happened that it would have been nice to know about. And those are only some of the macro news items out there. Those don't even include some of your personal struggles that you've been dealing with this year. Right, For some of you, the last six months have included health scares. For some of you, it's been loss of loved ones. For some of you, it's been relationship conflicts with those at work or at school or in your family. Right, it sure would be nice to know how all those trials and tribulations would end and how those things would shake out. Well, obviously, none of us have this superpower of being able to know everything, but in our psalm today, David reminds us of someone who does have that power, right? Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm with, that reminds us of wonderful truths about God, but one truth that comes across crystal clear is the truth that God is omniscient, that he knows everything, and specifically he knows everything about you. He knows what you're struggling with, He knows everything you're going through, and he knows how he will work those things out. We might not be able to understand some of the difficulties that we're facing. We might not be able to understand why we're going through some of the darkness that we are going through. We might not be able to make sense of it, but you and I can trust that God knows what he is doing, and he will get us through it. David need to be reminded of that truth, and you and I need to be reminded of that truth as well. And so that's what I hope to share this morning. I hope to share that because God fully knows everything about you, you can fully trust in him. Right? Because God fully knows everything about you, you can fully trust in him. And we're going to look at three ways that God knows everything about you. All right? First is God knows what your situation is. Second is God knows where your story began, and third is God knows what you're searching for, right? So God knows what your situation is, where your story began, and what you're searching for, right? So first, God knows your situation. David starts off this psalm by painting, I think, a pretty clear picture of how God knows all about your present circumstances and whatever it is you're dealing with right? If you look at the first couple verses, verse 2, David says, God knows when you sit down and rise up. He discerns your thoughts. Verse 3, God knows your path and you're lying down. He's acquainted with all your ways. Verse 4, God knows what you will say even before you say it. David is describing how comprehensive God's knowledge of you is, right, and what you're going through. There's not one aspect of your life that God doesn't know about, whatever whether it is you're resting at home relaxing uh, at the beach on vacation or whether it is you're dragging yourself out of bed to get ready to go to work or go to school right he knows when you've accomplished something great like graduating high school or college or about to get married and he also knows when you are struggling like needing to go to the hospital for a diagnosis or trying to find a job in order to make ends meet And God doesn't just know what your situation is. He also knows how you will respond to your situation. God knows your thoughts about what is going on in the world. He knows your feelings about what is going on at work or at school. He knows what you are feeling about with regards to your family. He doesn't just know what you're going to tweet or post on social media before you do it. God even knows the things that you decide to delete and not post on social media. Uh, last year around this time, my parents came to visit me. My parents live in Taiwan, um, and it had been three years since I had seen them in person because of the pandemic. Um, I was in San Diego at the time; I was a youth pastor there. Um, and the couple weeks that they came to visit me was was wonderful to spend time with them. But there was one morning where I went to pick my parents up for breakfast, and they were staying with my brother. So I drove over to my brother's house and I knocked on the door. And my mom opens it, and the first thing my mom says to me is, "She says, John." You did not brush your teeth this morning, did you? And I was shocked, I was taken aback. I was like, Mom, how could you say that? How could you know? <laughs> um, and I just, explain, I do brush my teeth. I, I, I brushed my teeth this morning. But that, that day, uh, I had just gone, we had done a youth retreat, like a three day, two night youth retreat. I was exhausted, I got home late last night and crashed and woke up late to get a breakfast. So I just rushed out and she was right. And I share that story not only to embarrass myself a little bit, but also to just let you guys know, if my earthly mom knew me that well after three years of not being physically together, how much more does our Heavenly Father know us? Right? And David here, he gives us at least two reasons why God knows all these things about us. One is because God is actively and specially interested in you. All right, look at verse one. David says, God has searched me and known me. That word search there has the idea of like a treasure hunter digging for treasure, or like a lawyer pouring through all the evidence in preparation for a trial. All right, the Old Testament even uses that word to refer to spies who are spying out a land and being thorough with what they're finding. All right, David is describing God as someone who takes special effort to seek you out and to know you, from knowing your biggest dreams and aspirations down to the smallest detail, like whatever color socks you chose to wear this morning or what you had for breakfast. Now, David isn't saying that God has to do such a thorough and detailed search in order to know all these things about you and in order to know your circumstances. We know God's knowledge is infinite. God's knowledge is immediate. But what David is doing is he's using vivid language to describe how much God knows you. And the second reason God knows what your situation is, is because God is everywhere, right? There is nowhere where God is not present. David asked that rhetorically in verses 7 through 10 in our passage, right? If there was somewhere there, God wouldn't be. If David went to heaven, God would be there. If he went down to Sheol, which is the place of the dead, God would be there. Verse 9 talks about he ta- if he takes the wings of the morning, which is the east, right? Sun rises in the east, God would be there. And if he goes to the uttermost parts of the sea, which for Israel was the west, God would be there. No matter where David goes in this universe, God is there. Now, you might hear that, and you might initially say to yourself, well, John, that actually sounds a little bit smothering. Right? As Americans, we value our privacy. We don't like it when people know everything about us. We definitely don't like it when they follow us around. Um, But David here is not describing God like Google or Amazon in your house, listening to your conversations and then feeding you ads, whatever it is you're talking about. Right? That's not what David is describing God as. But he is more describing God as like a loving parent who is lovingly and carefully watching over their children. Right? God specially searches us out because he cares about us, right? God is everywhere with us so that he can hold us and lead us and guide us. David says that in verse 10, right? God knows our circumstances and he knows our situation, not to be nosy, but to help us through them. And that's probably the most encouraging truth about the fact that God knows what your situation is. God doesn't just know about our present trials and tribulations, but he knows how he will bring those trials to an end. Look at the second half of verse 16. David says, In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. David here is getting at the truth that God has a plan for us, that he knows our future, that God has numbered our days. I know that that phrase, numbered our days, initially might also sound like a threat, right? In America, we have an idiom, right? Our days being numbered. But actually, that truth here should be extremely comforting. If you walked into the doctor's office and you were so nervous about a diagnosis the doctor was going to give you, you can be confident in knowing that there is nothing the doctor can say that will change how many days you have to live. The doctor can tell you what, what is going on with your body. The doctor can tell you what is going on with your health. But there is nothing a doctor can say or do that will shorten one day of your life because your days rest in the hands of a sovereign God. Right, brothers and sisters, trust in a God who fully knows what your situation is. Amidst all the difficult and distressing news that swirl around us, right, from, a, from wars still going on in Russia and Ukraine, From school shootings that happen across our country, from the economic and political uncertainty that we face, live not in fear, but in faith that your Heavenly Father has already determined your days, and there is nothing this world can throw at you that will change that. And so, first, God knows what your situation is, but second, God also knows where your story began. As David is reflecting on how much God knows him and his present circumstances, he naturally goes all the way back to the day when God formed him, when he, when he formed him at birth, and God knows all of us fully because he was the one who created us in the first place. Right? He knows the beginning of our story. When you and I talk, if we ever talk about God, the creator, we often think about God, the creator, in very general terms, right? God, creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Less often do we actually take time to reflect on God being your personal creator. And yet that's what David does here in this psalm, uh, particularly verses 13 through 16, right? David describes God as knitting you together in your mother's womb, that he intricately wove you together. The similar idea of Isaiah says this in Isaiah 64 that God is the potter and we are the clay. And David is not just saying that God has created your physical body, but he has also created your personality, your emotions, your passions and desires as well. Right in verse 13, when David says that God has formed my inward parts, those word inward parts, if we were to literally translate it, would be better maybe like inner organs. It's like a Hebrew idiom way of saying your entire inner being. God knows you so well because he created every single thing about you. From how many hairs there are on your head to why you are an extrovert or an introvert. God designed everything about you. And that just shows us how much God cares for us, doesn't it? God was meticulous when he made you. He formed you with painstaking detail. A commentator put it this way that I really liked. He said that you and I do not come about just because of some biological reaction, but we are the artistry of divine activity. God knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He knew you when you were an unformed substance. When nobody else could see you, God was making you in secret. And if that is who our God is, a God who cares so much that he carefully designed every single thing about you, then you know that you can trust him because you know that he created you for a reason. God puts you on earth for a purpose. There is a reason why God made you the way you are and David praises God for that in verse 14. David praises God by saying that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Again, that phrase, fearfully and wonderfully made, can sometimes be confusing. What does it mean to be fearfully made? But that phrase has the idea of being distinct, of being set apart. God made you in a distinct way to set you apart as part of his plan. And David was praising God for that. Right? It's similar to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29. I know I have the plans I have for you. Right, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We can trust God because God knows the beginning of your story, and He wrote your story with a plot already laid out—a plot that ends with your hope and your future. The part of knowing our story, however, is also knowing our faults and our failures, and God knows those as well. Right. Look at verse eleven. It's part of the section in the psalm where David has been asking God, where might he flee from his presence? David has already acknowledged there is nowhere he can go to escape God. And so he asks about a scenario where darkness would cover him, where he would be surrounded by darkness. Why would David want to hide from God? Why would David want darkness to surround him? It's because David knows that he's a sinner, and he knows that God knows that full well. Right. We've seen this in many other places in the Bible, all the way in the beginning in Genesis. Adam and Eve, they, they sinned, they tried to hide themselves from God, they didn't want God knowing what they did. And if you go all the way to the end of Scripture in Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, the Apostle John has a vision of the people on earth who rebel against God, and God comes to hold them accountable And those people cry out to the mountains and the rocks, cover us, fall on us, and hide us from the wrath of God. Right From the beginning of humanity to the end of mankind, no one can stand when God comes to hold you accountable for your sin. Our default reaction is to run and to hide. And David knew this only too well. David was a man after God's own heart, but David was was also a man who sinned miserably. His most famous sin that we probably know is when um, he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah. Can you imagine what what, what was going on in David's mind when Nathan the prophet came to confront him? My secret, my deepest, darkest, most heinous crime is now about to be made to light. What is God going to do to me? Is he going to remove me as king of Israel? Is he going to forsake me and my family? Is God going to kill me? Those might have all been thoughts that were running through David's mind. And so it was natural for him to maybe want to hide. To want to hide in the darkness so that the light would not shine on his sin. And so you can imagine the relief that David must have felt then when Nathan told him, The Lord has put away your sin you shall not die. David still had to suffer the consequences of his sin, but God did not forsake him. God did not kill him. God knew how heinous David's sin was, and yet God still loved him. And the same is true with you, brothers and sisters. God knows your sin he knows what you try to hide from everyone else, from your friends, from your family, from your coworkers. He knows the deepest and darkest secret that you would not want anybody else to ever find out. And yet, He still loves you. And the question is why? Why would God still love us that much, even knowing those sins that we commit? And the answer is because of David's greater son, Jesus. All right. look at verse 12. David says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as night with you. Or as light with you, sorry. For darkness is as light with you. All right. the darkest moment in the history of humanity was when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified on a Roman cross for your sins and for my sins. God knew when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb that his only son was going to be torn apart on the cross for us. Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself and experience the ultimate darkness for you and for me. But praise God, even that ultimate darkness was not too dark for God. God knew what he was doing. As David says in this psalm, truly darkness is as light with God. Jesus turned the darkest night in the history of humanity also into our brightest day. His death washed our sins away, and three days later he rose from the grave, conquering sin and conquering death so that you and I will one day also be guaranteed that we will rise from the dead. Jesus went through that ultimate darkness for you so that you and I would never have to. And that's why even though God knows all your sins, even though he knows all the shame and the guilt and the dark secrets that you think nobody else knows, despite all that, he still loves you. Right? He loves you because of what Jesus has done. And that's the most amazing thing about this truth is that God knew all the sins you were going to commit. He knew how wicked you were going to be from the beginning and yet he still was willing to send his son Jesus to die for you. That's how much God loves you. So much he cares for you. That's how much he treasures you. How can we not help but trust in a God who loves us that much, who knew how sinful we were from the beginning and still was willing to send his son to die for us? And that leads me to my last point. God knows what you're searching for. God knows, knowing everything that Jesus did, how he turned our darkest night also into our brightest day. How should we respond? What should be our heart's desire? Well, David tells us at least two things we should desire and search for. Two things that God knows and he will provide. And the first is David tells us we should look and ask for deliverance from sin and wickedness. Right? Verses 19 through 22. David shifts now in his psalm. He shifts from praising God to asking God to deliver him from evil, to bring his righteous judgments against those who are against God. David has been reflecting so much on how God knows him and loves him and cares for him. How a God who formed him and knows all of his shortcomings still loves him and is there for him. And so what David's response is, is one of loyalty. One of loyalty to God and hatred for those who are against God. What about you? What is your attitude towards sin? Does knowing how much Jesus sacrificed in order to save you inspire you to be want to be killing your own sin and hating your own sin? Do you have the same posture the prophet Isaiah did as he in Isaiah chapter 6? He has a vision of God high, seated on the throne, high and lifted up. And he realizes that he is a man of unclean lips because of his sinfulness and his unworthiness. The truths of Psalm 139, the truths in this psalm should spur us to want to be hating and killing our own sin and not let our sin be killing us. But as you read verses 19 through 22, as you heard those verses read, you might feel a little bit uncomfortable saying those same things that David says here, right? How can we pray the same thing David prays here? Asking God to slay the wicked, to hate those who hate God. Will we pray those things in the same way that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's prayer. Right, when you and I pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, at the same time we are praying for the kingdom of Satan to be destroyed, that the enemies of God be eliminated. Right, after everything that Jesus has done for us, we want his kingdom to come. We want his justice to reign. We want to be his loyal subjects. And that leads to the second thing David tells us that we should search for, which is the way everlasting. Right? Not only should we be searching out our sin and killing it, but we should be searching out how to live our lives in a way that glorifies God. In a way that signals to the world that he has saved us and that we are his. That's how David ends his psalm here in verses 23 through 24 where he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David wants God to fully know him, to know his worries, his hopes, his doubts, and his aspirations. He is looking for God to show him how to live amidst all of those feelings. And God knew that that's what David was searching for, and he led David in the way everlasting. Is that also your desire? Is that also what you're searching for? My prayer is that you will also make verses 23 and 24 your prayer. And you can pray them even more confidently than David did because you know what Jesus has accomplished for you. You can boldly ask God to search you and know you because you know that God fully loves you based on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Let me close with a personal story. When I was in high school, I had a Bible teacher who I really, really enjoyed. He was really knowledgeable about his subject, but not only that, he also really cared about us as students, personally. About one time during the semester, I think it was a midterm. I did not study for it. I didn't study well for it, I didn't study for it much at all. And so on the day of the test, I cheated to get a better grade. Um, I know he didn't catch me because the next couple days, um, he didn't didn't come talk to me. And initially, I felt some guilt and some shame, but um, after a week, I thought I got away with it. But what I didn't know was that one of my friends who was also in the class, she saw me. She, and she went and told my teacher. And so a week went by, and I think he texted me, I think after a week, and he said, John, I'd love to get lunch with you. And I thought he wanted to catch up and asked me how I was doing. I thought, <laughs> I thought he wanted to ask me actually about my college applications. I was a senior at the time. I was applying to college. Um, naively, I even thought that he was going to tell me how well I was doing in his class. <laughs> Um, I had no idea what was coming. And so when we sat down for lunch, I remember he said two words to me that I still remember the day that shook me to my core. He said the words, I know. And when he said those two words to me, I froze. My heart was racing. I thought those two words were going to be my condemnation. I thought I was going to get kicked out of school. I thought I was going to be rejected by all the colleges I had applied to. I thought I was going to bring shame on my family. I thought I was going to be ridiculed and be rejected by all my friends. But instead, those two words restored me and gave me life. Right? I still suffered the consequences of my sin. I still failed that test. But he didn't kick me out of school. He didn't condemn me. Right? My teacher, instead, he prayed with me. He cried with me. He loved that dumb 17-year-old boy who thought his world was crashing down. Friends, you have a God who is saying to you the words, I know. You have a God who knows your circumstances, who knows your sin, who knows that you long to be fully known and fully loved, and the good news is he does. He fully knows you. And he fully loves you because of his son, Jesus. And so may may we entrust our lives fully to him, knowing that he will lead us in the way everlasting. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows us. We thank you that you are the God who formed us in our mother's womb, that you are the God who has numbered our days, that you are the God who knows us and cares for us from womb to tomb, and that you are always with us. We praise you that even the darkness is not dark to you and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to suffer the ultimate darkness for us and in doing so, turn that darkness into light. May we live our lives echoing David's prayer in this psalm. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.